You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the Prop G Markets podcast. For nearly two years, Prop G Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, Prop G Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer? It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from HealthNetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? HealthNetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. HealthNetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at HealthNetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday, the 25th of March, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour. My name is Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for joining. I greatly appreciate it. Boy, we had a packed show today, y'all. Wow. Let's see. Wonderboy is going to be here in about 20 minutes to talk about everything that happened uh, at Nash- in Nashville. I appreciate his time. Uh, Macy Barber will be here to talk about her big win also in Nashville. Kevin Lee is jumping up to welterweight, so we'll discuss that with him. And then Jack Marshman had a nice win at UFC London, but there were some issues with the weight cut, with the military stuff. So we'll talk to him about 120 or so. Plus, you're going to be my guest not one but two different ways. Number one, with your tweets. Using the hashtag the MMA Hour, we'll get to those a little bit later. Plus, as always, on the sound off, with your calls eight four four eight six six two four six eight. Happy Monday to you guys. Hope you're doing well. Real quickly, I, a listener made this for me. I, there's no way to zoom in. I don't think I can take this out. This is from a gentleman whose company goes by the name of Shadow Rabbit. You can see he made a clay. Oh no, my hand fell apart. <laughs> oh no. Well, he did make a claymation doll, and I think it got roughed up in the mail. We'll fix it. Nevertheless, he made a little metal stand for it, and it all works in there. So we got to get the hand fixed. But uh, other than that, it's pretty cool. Shadow Rabbit. Sorry, Shadow Rabbit, that the first time I pulled out the case, I busted up. But I'll I'll fix that here in just a minute. Uh, so big thanks to them. All right, we have to change things up today. Got to do things a little bit differently because of the way the show is structured. So normally... I do the Monday Morning Analyst. Today, we're not. Let's jump right into it. We'll do the Monday Morning Analyst just a little bit later. Right now, let's start things off with the sound off. All right, there he is, Danny Segura. All right, Danny, let's pile through these as fast as we can. We might have some time later in the show, depending on how things go. 
to get more calls in, but let's assume that for the moment we don't, we got to jump right through these. You doing well, my friend? Yeah, yeah. Good weekend. Uh, very good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, a lot of things happening everywhere, but especially in the bantamweight division. So let's discuss that. All right. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Bobby from Providence, Rhode Island. My question is, with this TJ Dillashaw news, do you think this taints his legacy? Do you think maybe it was just something to cut weight to make it down to that lower weight class? Do you think he's been doing stuff all the time, like Cody Godbrand's saying? I'm not going to lie, guys. This really sucked when I found out this news. Okay. Right, Apparently he's calling right for the middle of a monsoon, which is unfortunate. Yeah, or he's just an extreme mouth breather. You know, he is an extreme show, so. mouth breather. That is that opportunity yeah. as well. Uh, all right, so you go first on this one, since this is a topic that I know you probably have a lot to say on. What do you, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, well, this is a very unfortunate situation for TJ Dillashaw. We, we still don't know what he popped for, so we kind of, I kind of have to reserve some some judgment because of that because we don't have the full truth, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we do know he's going to be at least out for a year because he was suspended by the New York State Athletic Commission right. for a year. We still don't know what USADA is going to give him. But, man, I kind of felt like TJ Dillashaw was finally coming into his own. And I know he was coming off a, a loss, but, like, I don't know if you remember when he was out of the title picture and he was also work trying to unionize. Him and the UFC kind of weren't seeing eye to eye. And I felt like with the Cejudo fight, with everything going on in bantamweight, all that was kind of fading away and he was kind of entering this era where he was going to define himself as one of the best bantamweights ever, one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters ever. This is this is a huge setback for him. So, yeah, it's 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 tough for TJ Dillashaw. I don't know what happened. My my sense of things is, you know, there's that infamous photo now that we've all seen with him sitting down eating that salad and he has like a million products in front of him. You know, I know that weight cut was was not easy, and it was probably very scientific. They probably rely on a lot of supplements here and there to, you know, make up for for some of the nutrition. And you know, in the world of supplements, man, every time you take something, you're you're rolling the dice. So I I think it has to do something with that. Yeah, here's what I'm gonna say. I don't That's know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. The, the, when you have a job like this one, where you have a show, and we're here, we're here to discuss topics. Here's, here's what any pr producer or program director will tell you. When you crack that mic, Luke, you got to have a firm position. You got to stick to it. You got to make it with all your heart. But here's the reality. We don't know anything other than yeah. you saw to confirm there was a positive test, an in-competition test. We know that. And we know that uh, he got suspended by New York. Now, I find it highly unlikely that it's marijuana because I think if it is, he would have addressed it and he would have said something. Yeah, but, I think so too. But I can't rule that out because based on everything we know, that still qualifies. Look, it could be the worst case scenario. But I don't think he would get suspended for a year and Why? for marijuana. Why? Nick Diaz nearly got suspended for life by Nevada. Yeah, that's true. And they dialed it back. Well, let's be reasonable. Let's only give him five years. These yeah. primates who have the, devil's lettuce, the worst judgment on earth. So I don't know that. I mean, look, again, my hunch is that's probably not that, but I don't know what the answer yeah. is. I don't know what he took. I don't know what he got caught for. I don't know if it's a tainted supplement. I don't know if it's just straight up, you know, steroids right in the veins. I have no idea. Dude, this is a serious issue that could badly, as you noted, affect his reputation. So here's my answer. Don't know. Don't know. Going to wait till there's more information. So there you go. By the way, we reached out to his management about talking to us. Hopefully they do. Yeah. So there you go. 
All right. Well, that leaves the his division an interesting standpoint because Cejudo was supposed to come up and have that sort of, yeah. you know, fight with him. So let's talk about what, you know, goes next for that division. Uh, I'm Parker calling from Houston, Texas. Uh, what's up, Luke? I was just wondering um, if you could give your insight on what you think about the UFC bantamweight title picture. We know that TJ Dillashaw was suspended by the New York State Athletic Commission last week, and um, he's going to be out for a year. So, you know, you have guys like Marlon Marias, Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo, Pedro Munoz, and, you know, you obviously need to make a title matchup so the vacant title can right, be This question goes for about guys, another so. minute. So thanks for calling, Parker. And uh, shouts to let's Houston, just, Texas. Yeah, shout out to Houston. <coughs> cool city. Um, yeah, I've been there. My aunt lives in the Woodlands, which is like yeah, the yeah. suburbs of uh, Houston. No, it's so a cool place. I've been there a couple of times. It's nice. I nice like people. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So hate, what do you I, what do you do at Bantam? I man? hate the Cejudo Morais fight, bro. I, me too. I hate everything about it, bro. I hate it. I can't stand it. Now, am I here to tell you that it's going to be a bad fight, Danny? I have no idea what it's going to be like. It might end up being the best fight of the year. And and is Henry Cejudo an amazing fighter? Of course. Yep. Is Marlon Moraes a deserved person in his position? There can be no doubt. He's the most important ingredient here, period. Yes, he he is for sure a guy that's going to be in that equation no matter what. Yeah, but you were doing the Cejudo at the 135 thing because Dillashaw wanted to run it back. Yes. Dillashaw should have never been down at 125. Yep. It went disastrously for him, as we've all now seen, in, in addition to these other you know insult to injury kinds of scenarios. Now he's out. The whole reason you were going to have him at 135 is ostensibly removed, and you're just going to do it. Yes, it's like I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all. By the way, they're both rep by the same manager, which is kind of, I don't, it kind of, which we've seen before because Carlos kind of fought Tyron Woodley, so yeah. it's not unheard of. But that's kind of weird. It's like I don't, I don't know, man. It's like I'm not telling you it's a bad fight, but Aljamain Sterling should be in that position, 1,000 percent, even if it's not as sexy a fighter or whatever. Yeah. I, I actually think Pedro Munoz should be in that equation because Aljamain Sterling not so long ago lost to uh, Marlon Moraes and in a pretty, you remember he got knocked out pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, I think you, I think what I'd like to do eventually, like ideally would be keep Sahuda at 125. I think, look, if you're going to put that division down at some point, fine, do it. But at least squeeze some more title fights out of it. I think Joseph Benavides is a deserving guy, a guy that has been a company guy since day one. He's done everything right. He's been a top contender for forever. He's got history with Cejudo. So make that fight happen. Now 135, I'd like to see, I know, Moraes versus um, Pedro Munoz. I know that's not that doesn't feel as big of a fight as the Cejudo fight, but that, that's just the way I would take things. And maybe do like a Peter Jan... Uh, Algernon Sterling for number one contender or something. Like I could that. live with that. What I can't live yeah. with is, you know, well, let's just or 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 the, unless you want Cejudo to move up because you're getting rid of flyweight. In that case, right. okay. But here's the other part about it: you just saw over the weekend Juicio Formiga, who was already the number one contender, mm -hmm. he beat Devison Figueredo. People are like, who's Devison Figueredo? Oh, I'm sorry. You mean the guy who was undefeated and ranked fourth in that division heading into Nashville, who also now just lost? It's like, dude, you mean what the is the guy that has the haircut of God of War? Well, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. But it's like, dude, what does that guy got to yeah. do to get a title shot down there? I mean, you know, it, we're just living in crazy land. So they're just going to do what they're going to do. But I hate both of those fights. Sorry, yeah. I do. And and you know what's uh, funny? Dana White, I think on, you know, after UFC Nashville, um, he was asked about the whole situation. I think he said, oh, yeah, I think um, I think uh, Joseph Benavides fights, fights um, Formiga for the number one contender. And if anybody drops out of the bantamweight title fight, then, you know. 
they'll fill in. But I'm like, wait, so are they fighting at 125 or 135? Oh, it's it, a, it's the a whole mess. situation is just a mess. That, that's why I think either you get rid, of the, get rid of the division or you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like this weird limbo doesn't really work out. All right. Now let's uh, switch topics into something completely different. Uh-oh. That usually is ominous. Hey, Luke and Danny. This is Kenneth Ladef from Chino, California. Really admire both of your work. Keep it up. So there's this stigma in our society regarding cannabis, medicinal cannabis, and even CBD. Anthony Pettis has started incorporating CBD gummies into his diet to aid in sleep and says it has been a game changer. And it got me thinking lots of athletes and fighters have started realizing the benefits of CBD for lowering inflammation, relaxing muscles, etc. But are fighters overlooking the gigantic benefits of having proper sleep? Love to hear your thoughts, and hey, maybe some quality sleep a day or two out of the week could really help you out, Luke. Perhaps slow the grain that you got going and haven't enjoyed. Also, shout out to Mr. Segura, favorite new Twitch streamer. <laughs> okay, take care, ladies and gents. People act like I choose not to get sleep. <laughs> like, it's like, would I rather get a good night of sleep tonight like, or maybe What is not? it you think uh, I'm doing up there dancing in the street with raccoons and stray animals <laughs> rather than trying to get a good night? I'm trying to get a good night's yeah. rest. It's just I live with an insane amount of anxiety and pressure, so I just and I have to get up balls early to come here. So no. Have you, have you tried CBD? Yeah, here's the thing with CBD. I have tried gummies. I've had no success. I've tried rubs. I've had no success. I've tried oils. I've had no success. Now here's the deal with this, and there has been uh, th this is not this is not up for debate. There really are no longitudinal studies that prove any of the benefits of CBD. What you do get are a lot of anecdotal stories. Hey man, I tried it, it was a game changer. Yeah. I'm not here to say that those people are wrong. They could very well be right. All I'm trying to say to folks is, there isn't any to date scientific data that justifies even a 10th of these claims. Now that's partly in the process of changing. There are studies now being done. So we'll see what they have to say. It might turn out that those it works for a certain kind of person and doesn't work for another. Mm -hmm. Another problem is it's a totally unregulated marketplace. So you could have a friend that has a great company that makes super killer stuff and it all works for you. Maybe I just keep buying the loser CBD. I don't know, but I have not had any success with it yeah. at all. But hey, man, if Anthony Pettis is getting better sleep at night because of CBD, dude, keep doing it. Yes, sleep is, they'll tell you this in any kind of uh, bodybuilding form or even powerlifting or even weightlifting. The most important things are the kind of foods you eat and obviously how much um, hydration, how much sleep you get. And then at the very last is, you know, supplementation. Yeah. But sleep, diet, and hydration, the most important things in fitness. Yeah, for sure. I, I've tried CBD as well, the gummies and the oil, and I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe it did work because I also know, like, it reduces inflammation and all that. Maybe it did work, and I just, you know, I have a hard time picking it up. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't feel anything. Also, fun little story. Um, Alexis Villa, you 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 remember him? Poor right? Alexis Villa, yeah. He um he's been fighting for forever, you know, Olympic wrestler, yeah. and crashed, uh, crashed into an airport. That's true. Yes. Um, I asked him once after a fight. You know, he was already deep into his forties and like still, you know, kicking ass. And I asked him, you know, what, what's the what's the key to like, you know, be so so be in such a great shape at such a you know being, late age? Being Cuban. One being Cuban, yes, <laughs> having those Cuban genes, man. And, you know, the other one, he told me sleep early. He's yeah. like, sleep early. He's like, by 9 p.m., I'm already, like, crashing. It's, he's, he's absolutely right. Sleep yeah. is so important. Sleep is so big, uh, yeah. But, no, I, I mean, I, just, to everyone, just so it's clear, I don't choose to not get sleep. I'm trying. I've cut out alcohol big time. It's just hard. It's hard, man. Yeah, it's hard to get a good sleep. All right, well, now let's talk about some of the action that happened over the weekend. 
obviously Anthony Pettis picking up a, a pretty important win for his career. But, you know, now the sort of the path, his path is not too clear. Maybe 170, 155. So let's discuss that. Hey, Luke, this is Matt calling from Boston. And uh, just after what happened this weekend, Anthony Pettis now seems to have fight offers in three different divisions, uh, but seems to be come and go wherever he ends up weight-wise. So I was just wondering where you would like to see Anthony Pettis land. If he had to pick one, uh, what would your choice be? Thanks, and thank you for the show. All right, so... I don't know what the third away class was because I, I don't think he's ever doing 45. Yeah, again. I, mean, I guess he's he does have a top 10 win in each of those divisions. Yeah, but the, he's not. There's no beck and call back there. This is real simple for now. Look, you just beat the number three, number four guy. There is no reason to get out of that division. See where it takes you. You never know. I do think he was losing that fight up until he was yeah. winning, uh, which we'll talk about in the Monday Morning Analyst. But nevertheless, it's a great win. It's just, dude, it's a killer, killer win. No yeah. one's ever done that to Wonder Boy. You just got to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, there's some things to clean up, obviously. Um, so look, see how it goes. Here's my theory about this, Danny. I asked a bunch of people to tell me every time someone has jumped up in weight, whether it went well or not went well. What you find, I don't have... I don't have any hard data on this. This is, again, anecdotal, or at least yeah. incomplete. Just observation. observational. Observational. Yeah. What I have noticed is it is very, not easy, but it is common. It is not uncommon for someone to jump up and wait and initially make a big splash. Mm -hmm. What it is hard for them to do is jump up and wait and have a sustained effort of success. Yeah. It's why you see these guys come up and wait for these champ champ fights, and they just brutalize somebody. But then you see Cowboy, he went up to 170, looked great. But then you kind of run into some pretty clear dead ends at that point. Yeah. So I mean, he looked good down. for like three, four fights. I think he picked up at, at Wilderwood. It's Wilderwood. not that he can't compete yeah. there. He's obviously competitive there. Yeah. But it's hard to make the argument that's his best division. Yeah. So like Pettis might be competitive at 170. We'll have to see. My hunch is that eventually he's going to find his way back yeah. down to 155. I, I see that situation kind of like in soccer when they bring, you know, certain managers specialized in just, you know, uh, helping teams avoid relegation. And it's not really the fact that the manager is all that good. It's just the fact that there's change, period. Yep. And then, you know, people, when there's change, people just react positively to that, right. you know, for a little bit. So you bring in a guy for like four or five games just to avoid relegation. And, you know, they just managed to get a few points. But it's, it's really mainly just because of change, because they're, you know, changing things around and they're not stuck doing the same thing. Yeah, right. So it kind of reminds me of that situation. But look, I, I, I hated on this matchup when it was first announced. I mean, I made my thoughts pretty clear here on, on the show. Mm -hmm. But man, now that it happened, it was a pretty big gamble from, from Anthony Pettis. But man, w what a great decision. Because look, things look pretty murky out lightweight. You don't know how, you know, the title picture is going to sort out. Kind of same at Walterway, but at least you got both options. So if one goes, you know, worse than the other, you can just, you know, stick to whatever division is a little bit more clear. That's right. I mean, it's safe to say he's a top five in each, you know, technically, you know, beating number three, right? So yeah, pretty smart move. Ride it out till for, as yeah. long as you can, and then make a make a decision on how far it goes. Also, there's plenty of lightweights that have moved up to 155, so technically you won't really have to fight like a, a legit, legit, you know, welterweight. Yeah. Um. So there's that as well. All right. All right, let's take one more, and then I'll call I'll call Thompson. Okay. What's going on, guys? It's Ricardo from Toronto. Um, so Pettis just made a statement, and in terms of matchmaking, the opportunities seem endless now. But I think the fight that most people, including myself, want to see is that uh, Connor matchup. You know, Connor tweeted after the fight and obviously got people talking. Uh, they're both lightweights. They're both looking to return in July. You know, plus Connor's in book, and that – 
Diaz trilogy isn't going anywhere. That can always happen. So what do you think? Uh, Connor, Masvidal, RDA, uh, what makes the most sense for Pettis right now, guys? Thanks, Peter. Who should uh, Pettis fight next? Any top welterweight in the top five. You don't like the Connor fight? Any, it's like it, people like Connor versus a gorilla. Who doesn't want to? See, everyone wants to see Connor fight yeah. in virtually any permutation. Yeah, of course. Do I think that's the best way for him to move forward in his career? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody at 155 is what he needs to be doing. But like a Pettis yeah. fight, would that be cool? Sure, dude. That'd be an amazing striking bout. But just yeah. thinking realistically about what's a good way to advance. No, it's not. That's not the best way for him to do yeah. I want to see Connor versus Nate Diaz. I think that that whole thing needs to wrap up. Agreed. Uh, fairly soon. So, no, I wouldn't like to see Pettis versus Connor. For some reason, it just doesn't intrigue me all that much. Yeah. It's look again. If you saw him across the cage from each other, you'd be like, "Wow, they're about to get it on." Yeah. Right. For sure. No. Yeah. Again, it's the same thing with Cejudo Moraes. When they're across the cage from each other, I'm going to be a little bit nervous because those are two amazing mm-hmm. fighters. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we're doing right by the divisions and then the, the fighters inside those divisions. So, there you go. Cool. But we're in the streaming era. All bets are off, Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to leave you with one question. This All is right. uh, specifically for you, and I'm going to get Mr. Thompson. Sounds good. Hey, Luke, this is Neil from Calgary, Canada. I'm just wondering about your analysis on your fights. Um, I like them. They're great analysis. I'm just wondering if any fighters actually ever get upset at you for giving away the their fight plan or game plan. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Thank you for your time. Yeah, <laughs> that was the longest pause ever. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I've had a couple messages about that. Typically, not really. Um, what you guys have to understand about the analysis that I do, which I really appreciate, I um, I do think it sets me apart a little bit inside the, the media space relative to other media members, not so much obviously coaches, is that there's, a one, a certain kind of perspective that I bring um, that is different than how a coach might see it. And then, two, there's a lot of small details I don't get to part because I don't see them, part because I don't have enough time. There could be a lot of missing pieces there that, you know, a coach might look at what I'm doing and say, oh, you know, uh, I had um, I had the coach of a really famous fighter reach out and say I got like 90% of what he were, they were doing correctly, but the 10% that I missed was pretty critical. So, you know, what do you want to say? Um, uh, the reality is what I always tell you guys. I don't present it to you as the best analysis or the only analysis or even the complete analysis I presented to you as mine, I give you like a big picture overview with some grasp of the details, and then we go from there. All right, let's go to this gentleman now. I really appreciate his time. I was even hesitant to bring him on because, you know, you get these guys in a tough spot. You want to be respectful of their time. But um, I also wanted to talk to him. I just wanted to see how he was doing and check in. And and so he is gracious enough to give us some of his time. We're joined now via the magic of Skype by the one and only Wonder Boy himself, Stephen Thompson. Hi, Stephen. How you good? How you doing, my friend? Good. How are you feeling? First of all, I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. You know, a little bummed, but hey, man, it's, uh, it's the way the game goes. Sometimes it's un, uh, it's uh, when you're in the game long enough, you know. Sometimes you, th- this stuff happens. So I'm, I'm feeling good, though. So, uh, d- by the way, just to medically get the the final wrap up here, did you have to go to the hospital or anything? Or once you were in the back, doctors took a look at you and you were good to go. Yeah, so I actually they they took me to the hospital, um, got some X-rays done um, of my left leg and a CT scan. So we were there till three thirty a.m. in the morning before we got actually back. Up, we got back to the hotel around four, so we we're there for a little while. So everything's good though, uh, brain's fine, foot's fine, no breaks. 
just a little banged up down there. So, but uh, everything's good. All right. So let me just say this, man. I know obviously Saturday didn't go your way, but to go that many fights in a game this dangerous and for that to never happen, kind of miraculous. Like on some level, I know the streak is over, <laughs> but you do have to be proud of that streak, right? You know, I am, man. I'm in close to 80 fights and never been, never been knocked out. Yeah. But it's crazy. You know, it had to be this time. Like, why this time? And we had a whole bunch of people there from our hometown celebrating, you know, supporting me. But uh, it is what it is, man. It happens. So the only thing I can do is get back on the on that ball and keep moving forward and go back to the drawing board. You know, let's talk about the fight before the ending. Looked to me like you were winning. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, you know, I think I was piecing him up, um, you know, especially with my jab. Uh, he threw a few leg kicks, nothing that really bothered me at the time. I remember the first round very well. I don't remember the second round very well, but I remember going back to the corner and having his blood, like literally I'm looking down at me. I got his blood all over my chest. His, I'm looking at his, his, he's like leaking from his nose. So I'm like, man, did I break his nose? You know, what's going on? I, I just remember saying, he's a tough guy. Um, and then after that kind of blank, I literally come to in the back. I see Chris Weidman, I see my mom, I see my brother, and I don't remember being out in the cage or walking walking to the back, taking pictures with everybody. I don't, I don't remember that at all. Wow. Um, what was the game plan heading in there? Um, again, it looked like you were executing it pretty well for what you remember, but what was the thought? Because there was a bit of a height disparity. I thought he was going to go a lot to the body, which I guess a little bit he did, but he went, went much more to the legs. Yeah, you know, I figured he... Um, I didn't expect him to stand right there in front of me, you know, uh, right off the bat. I was going to go to him, get him backing up, but he actually met me in the middle, started coming at me, and um, he st he did throw a lot of leg kicks. But I remember thinking, you know, his strikes were punches were kind of slow in the first round. Like, man, oh, this is good. This is not going to take long at all. <laughs> mm. That's what you get for thinking. But um, yeah, he felt his. I felt like his hands were fairly slow. He did throw a lot of leg kicks out there, but the pl game plan was, you know, to really pump the jab. Um, you know, uh, get him backing up a little bit and then look for the knockout from there. He did keep his hands up fairly high, which made that fairly difficult. So I started going to the body as well with my own body kicks. So to try and get him to drop those hands just a little bit, um, mm. you know, in the later rounds, I figured that those body shots would definitely wear, uh, wear those, wear his body out, him dropping his hands and then the knockout would be a little bit easier, but we never made it to that point. So, um, you know, I felt good about my performance and, I went back and watched the fight several times, um, especially the knockout. And I'm like, you know, it, it seemed to me like I know I've been hit harder than that. I know tyrants hit me harder than that. You know, why did this punch affect me the way it did? And the only thing I could think of was it, it just being right on the money, right on the spot. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. You know, I actually went and I looked at every uh, yesterday. My wife was real happy with me. I went and I looked at every time you've been knocked down in the UFC and, uh, all the other times you got knocked down, it was a huge punch, like huge, like Tyron Woodley just loading up. Let me see what you think of my guess. My guess is that there was a slight, slight, slight delayed timing on it. And a Superman punch, as you know, often comes real linear. His was almost arcing like in this way. So between the delayed timing and the trajectory, I don't think you were expecting it. Fair? Uh, definitely fair. You're definitely fair. Cause I went back and watched, I threw a sidekick that kind of glanced off of him. It kind of put me in a bad position Right. where my right foot was fairly to the outside of him, which put me closer to him. And I know he was up against the cage. So all he had to do was lunge forward. And of course, when you're throwing a punch with your whole body behind it, 
it makes it that much more that much more powerful. And the last, you know, three or four inches is where the power comes from. You know, so his whole body being behind it and throwing that straight punch right down the pipe. I think that's that's what that's what did it. And um, you know, it took me a while to actually figure it out and go back and watch it. Like why? You know, it didn't look like it was that much. You know, especially after Tyron putting me down and not 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 putting me away. Mm. I'm sitting there thinking, why was that? You know, but you know, it doesn't take it doesn't doesn't have to take a uh, you know a gorilla of a punch to put you away. Just you put it right on the spot. That's all it takes. You know, something else I noticed. I went back and I checked this with a fight metric for the Anthony Pettis. Um, he targeted your head the least amount he's ever targeted an opponent in his career. And he targeted your legs more than he's ever targeted an opponent in his career. It was the opposite of what he basically always does. To what extent was that surprising? You know, um, I figured that he was going to try and keep the distance. I knew that uh, being after me coming off uh, from a knee injury from the fight before, he probably was going to go for the legs a little bit more. So, I mean, in, in our game plan, in our head, we figured that was going to happen. I didn't, I didn't think that he was going to not throw as many punches to the head, but I figured he was going to target my legs more. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. He mostly kept his hands up. So maybe that was kind of smart because he knows I'm a counter striker. He knows I've got the longer reach and that I was going to try and counter him once he started throwing punches. And, um, you know, I think it was smart on his part. He definitely kept his hands closer. Hmm. By the way, if things had kept going the way they were going, do you feel like you would have gotten the finish in the third? I know it's all at this point, you know, speculation, but nevertheless, how are you feeling? Right. It was, it was headed in that direction. It was heading in a good direction. Yes. Yes. I believe so. I believe so. I mean, that was only the second round and so we had three more rounds to go. So, um, you know, the damage that I was doing, that I was causing to him leads me to believe that I, I was, I would be able to finish him, but you know, some, you know, ah, ah. <laughs> I know, man, I really, I, I know it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to talk about. So let me ask you this thing. I, um, yesterday on Twitter, I put up a, a question to folks. I said, list for me all the times somebody like, a, you know, not just right regional MMA, but like, you know, high level MMA where somebody jumped up in weight class and maybe it went well, maybe it didn't, but just list for me, all of them. And I noticed something, I, again, I could be wrong about this. I, I just know from what I read, it is e not easy you can make a jump up in weight class and make a big splash making a sustained effort at that weight class. Maybe not so much, but that one time, and you've seen it now with these champ champ fights, these guys come up one time and they just tear apart somebody uh, out of nowhere. But then if they stick around the weight class, you know, they run into some brick walls that someone like you probably wouldn't, you know, staying at, at welterweight. What do you make of that? If you think that's true. You know what? I, I now that you said it, I kind of see it. You know, like uh, you know, Cowboy Cerrone made a huge splash. So did Masvidal. I mean, Michael Chiesa, his first fight up to 170, he submitted Carlos Condit. Um, Connor, man, I, Amanda I, I, I Nunes, all these yeah, people. Yeah, Connor, Amanda Nunes. There's a lot of people who has made that jump, and it may have to do with I don't know the weight cut, not having to cut that way, not depleting yourself. Um, you know, you just, I think you may feel more confident in that situation or that, that, that one time that you're moving up and you're not having to deplete yourself. It's just a good feeling. I, I'm not really sure why that is, but it, uh, it, it I, I can kind of see that now, now that I go back and I, 
I, I think about it. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Everybody's been asking me, hey, do you want me to Whitaker still the champ? I would go. You never know, man. You never know. I'm not a big welterweight either. So I walk around about 185, 190, and a lot of these guys walk around over 200 pounds. Uh, like Robert Whitaker, when he moved up, I mean, he doing work, but he did. And he walked around at a heavy, heavy weight. So, um, again, I know it's just Monday, but what are you thinking about for what this does for you in the welterweight division? You know, I, I don't know, man. I got to go ahead and look at the, the rankings, see where I'm at. But now I do know that rankings really don't matter at this point in the UFC's, you know, uh, in the UFC. You got you a lot of guys who are still being bumped up and fighting, fighting champions at, you know, rank number five and, I don't know, man. Um, I got to go back to the drawing board and see what happens. I know there's a fight in my hometown coming up in three months, and uh, we're going to see how we feel in two weeks. I'm not really, I'm not going to push it at all. You know, after a knockout, especially one like that, I don't want to jump out there too soon. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me, though, like look at what Pettis did, right? He kind of had some ups, had some downs, had some ups, had some downs, and got this weird offer to go up a weight class and just took it. It's like, the, the, like I've told folks, like the, the best way to get ahead in the rankings, even if you stay inside your own division, is to just take a fight late notice because then they have to slot you in against somebody really good. And then to, another way to like re rebound after a loss is sometimes to take a weird fight. I wonder how you feel about that. Yeah, man, um, that is true. So, I mean, the, the first thing right now, obviously, before we, we start jumping to that is to make sure you know, this is the first time I've ever been knocked out. So I'm taking this super serious. You yeah, know? of course. I'm like, I'm like, I'm still, it's like 12 o'clock and I'm still in the dark in my bedroom, you know, not, not on my phone, just kind of chilling here. So, uh, um, you know, Dana White and those guys, they still want me to, to fight in three months, but, uh, you know, I want to take it slow. I want to make sure everything's right before I do that. So, yeah. um, you know, I got the best doctors looking at me. I got, I got a lot of uh, MMA fighters giving some really good advice. Um, so I appreciate them, you know, uh, getting in contact with me and let me know what's going on. So um, everything's going to work out, man. And, and you have not seen the, the, the last of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I guarantee you. This right here has definitely fired me up, man. It has put a flame in me that I think the last time I felt this way was when I tore my MCL or my ACL like 10 years ago. So I mentioned the bits to get back to the gym and get back to the drawing board. You know, you have to, you know, this as well as I do. You're the competitor. I'm really the observer, but I have, I have observed, dude, this is a, this is a rebound second, third chapter sport. If ever there was one, you just need that one right opportunity. Boom. And you can hit the ground running. Look at the last two weeks. Jorge Maswell has had a million ups and downs and then kaboom. Same with Pettis. And then here we are. So, you know, you know that as well as I do. There's a ton of opportunity for another chapter. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. And that's, and you know, looking at Pettis and and those guys, they're they they're actually giving me the confidence to, you know, to keep pushing forward, man, to keep that grind going. And uh, a lot of these fighters, you know, uh, Diego Sanchez hit me up on Instagram, letting me know his story and how his ups and downs, and how you know, you saw his last fight, which was phenomenal. And uh, he said he's been in my situation, man, and just keep moving forward and stay positive and. Um, I'm taking these guys' advice. Uh, you still there? We got you? 
Yeah, there he is. Okay. Thought we oh, lost you there for a second. Oh, yeah. Did I go off? No, no. You trailed off for a second, but it's all good. So let me just ask you this last one and we'll let you go because I really appreciate your time and I don't want to take up any more of it. Um, looking back on it, I want to ask this as politely as I can. I'll, I'll ask it plainly. Do you regret taking the fight? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, Anthony Pettis is one of the best strikers, best fighters in the UFC. And that's why I'm here. You know, I'm not in it for the money. That's all. That's a bonus. I'm in it to, for the honor and the glory and to face the best fighters in the world. And he's got a big name, got a big following. And I've been a fan of his for a long time anyway. And, um, you know, we've been chatting back and forth, uh, the past few days, just, you know, wishing each other luck in, in our, in our career. So, um, yeah, man, I, I don't regret it one bit, not at all. Well, let me just tell you this while we let you go. I know on these shows like this, the common thing is to bring on all the winners after a Saturday, but you know, look, man, you're a class act. You're going to be back. And I just felt like it was important for the public to hear from you. Obviously it requires your compliance. You know, I can't, I can't make you do it, but I, I'm glad that you got a chance to speak. And, um, you know, man, look, it's a setback, but as I mentioned before, you know, as well as I do, this is the sport of, of, of rebounds. If ever there was one. So I want to thank you for your time, get some rest. And I can't wait to see the, uh, the next version you got for us. Hey, I appreciate you calling, man. And, and it's definitely a pleasure being on with you. And don't worry, like I said, you haven't seen the last of me and I will be back better and stronger than ever. Guaranteed, man. I appreciate it, sir. Can't wait. Get some rest, Stephen. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. There he goes. All right. I appreciate that. I, I, I struggled with whether or not to, to bring him on because you want to give these guys their space. But I also wanted the public to hear from him. So there we go. All right. Speaking of hearing from others, now is my turn to hear from you. It is time for a round of tweets. All right. Let's do it. Five minutes on the clock. And then... We will get to your tweets. Let's see. Let's see. There's the, there's the timer. Show me them tweets. All right, here we go. Hit it. All right. Wonder Boy is contemplating making the jump to 185 pounds. Yay or nay? I think what I would say is, certainly after speaking to him, let's wait a second. I would say it's probably okay with the right matchup. Maybe not a huge middleweight, because as you noted, he walks around 185, 190. Folks, I know lightweights that walk around at 185, 190. I know lightweights that walk around heavier than 190. So not saying no, just saying let's see how things shake out for his ranking position. Let's see what that 185-pound fight is and see which one makes the most sense. Next. Uh, what do you believe is the bigger factor for the KO in the Pettis-Wonderboy fight? Is it a product of the non-weight-cutting fighter retaining power by not depleting themselves or the weight-cutting fighter dehydrating the brain, causing them to be more susceptible to a KO. No, I don't think it's got anything to do with it. He might have had more power. I'm going to show you why. Uh, I'm going to show you why in the Monday morning, unless that was the case. Basically, it was... Uh, I looked at every scenario where Wonder Boy has been knocked down in the UFC and what the commonalities are, and this situation fit all of those to basically a T. It was a moment where Wonder Boy operates under a set of conditions where he has success when those are established. If you can take away usually two or more of them, then you can land some pretty significant shots. I think Anthony Pettis had three taken away. I will show you that later. Next. 
Uh, out of the following three, which matchup would intrigue you the most for Anthony Pettis? One, Cowboys, Cerrone, 155. They've already fought, so no. Conor McGregor, 155, maybe. Robbie Lawler at 170. Definitely McGregor in that case because Lawler's too big, and he already fought Cowboy. So I guess Conor if those are the three options. Next. Uh, Luke, can you please unblock <laughs> me? Uh, yeah, maybe. Danny, make sure you hit me up about this later. I'll unblock him. All right, next. Here's the thing about blocking people. I just want folks to know. Some of y'all like drinking water out of the tap. Some of y'all like drinking water out of the garden hose. I prefer to drink water through a filter. All right. Do you agree with Chael that in striking, the smaller guy has the advantage? Well, I would need to hear exactly what Chael says. Uh, there can be a lot of scenarios where the smaller guy has an advantage, but if, it, if it's speed and with those little gloves and if they're not cutting weight as much, you can well see that there is a ton that they can do in terms of making up the ground. The weight cutting really has more to do with somebody who's going to lean and lay and grip up on you versus someone who's going to strike. Because if you're, if you're primarily concerned about striking, you have to be fleet of foot, fast, quick, agile. You don't want to have your brain messed with too much. So in, you can imagine a scenario where, yes, you're smaller, but you don't have any of those other factors working against you. You can get some things done. Next. Uh, as a metalhead, do you pay proper respect to Metallica? Love the show. It sounds very cliche to be like everything after and justice for all sucked. But everything after and justice for all kind of sucked. Not everything, but most things. I, I actually appreciated more than anything their SNM album that they did with the San Francisco Orchestra. But, um, you know, and justice for all, ride the lightning, um, uh, their debut album, uh, Master of Puppets. These are, you know, Kill Them All. These, these are the seminal pieces of work. Saint Anger, or even their last one, you know, Death Magnetic, or whatever their last one was. I haven't even kept track. You know, they're fine, but they're not great. Next. Uh, don't you think Connor, that's not how you spell Connor, calling out every fighter after a fight's getting weird now? I think he's just keeping his name in the mix. I don't, I don't read too much into it. Next. Uh, Luke, I've heard you say many times that you don't watch fights as a fan anymore, which is true. What exactly do you mean by that? Are there any upcoming fights or potential matchups that excite you enough where you can watch and enjoy it as a fan? No, not really. Um, maybe Lamont Peterson, who retired yesterday because he's a DC guy, I watch as a fan. I really watch MMA for it. Like, I want to see high-level action. But as a fan, you get invested. Sometimes you can watch a, as a fan like that. But I guess what I mean when I say a fan is, I don't cheer for Tony Ferguson because I like him so much. I mean, I do like Tony, but I, when I watch him compete, I'm looking to see his skills. Uh, and I don't want bad things to happen to these guys, but I'm not, I'm not there to root for the good either. I'm there to let that process play out naturally and then observe and then comment. I don't, I don't have like a rooting interest. I don't have a fighter t-shirt or anything like that. So I watch it a little bit differently. Let's get one more in. Uh, with CTE becoming a more prevalent concern, should there uh, be cause for concern when fighters who have been KO'd receive one or two extra blows to the head once they're out. Yes, there should be plenty of concern, but I guess the bigger issue should be post-fight and pre-fight medical screening. That's really, that's really what we what we want out of this. Um, we want just to put ourselves in the best position to handle those kinds of concerns. All right, do we have Macy? What's the word on that? All right. Apparently we are waiting on one Macy. Uh, all right. Everybody always hits me up once I go on the air. What is that all about? Like, no one, my phone is silent. 
before the show. The minute I go on the air, you know, just kind of crazy. Um, in any event, yeah, this is one thing I've been talking about, like, um, even with my own, what do you want to call them, or, or north, unorthodox views on uh, performance-enhancing drug use. I think even if you agree with me, and I know many of you do not, here's one thing I think you probably, I could get you to agree with me on. Even if, let's say, the world changed tomorrow, like Thanos, I could snap and have it how I wanted, I don't think you could change any rules in the direction that I want to change them without adopting more rigorous pre-fight screens and then as well post-fight screens. I think the the bigger issue is not trying to manage advantages but managing health. And even if you don't agree that we don't need to manage advantages, you probably could agree that we could always do a better job of managing health. I don't think we do as good of a job on that as we can. I think another thing that folks should consider is the UFC has been an active participant, as well as, um, uh, I think, Bellator as well, but certainly I know the UFC has, with the Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland Clinic Brain Study. And no one really knows what they're going to find. Probably that nothing good happens when you get punched in the head. You can well imagine. But that's not what I mean. I guess what I would say is one of the benefits that MMA has over traditional stick-and-ball sports is that in the stick-and-ball sports, you'll start playing at a very young age, which is why they get better by the time they're in their 20s than a lot of MMA fighters, because you can't literally compete legally until you're certainly um, a pro license until you're 18. So here's my point about all this. Um, there might come research that shows once you take enough damage and they can measure it, there should be no more fighting for you, period. That That actually might be something that we have to contend with in the future, but... A different thing for a different time. All right, is she on phone or Skype? What's the word? All right, let's do it now. We go back to Skype because we are joined by the future. The future is now, ladies and gentlemen. She had a big win at UFC Nashville over J.J. Aldrich. Had a little adversity at front, but uh, wound up winning in the end. Macy Barber is here. Hi, Macy. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. It doesn't even look like you were in a fist fight. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling great. Uh, just a couple bumps and bruises, but I feel I feel really good compared to the last fight. I uh, I actually got to walk and and have my legs be feeling great. What do you mean? Oh, because of the uh, the weight cut? Um, yeah, a little bit of the weight cut, and then the uh, the fight before this one. Um, you know, I was battling with a little bit of a, a knee injury, so. Oh right. Um, or I got one in the in the fight. So, uh, no, this one I came out feeling pretty great. All right, so give me a sense of things. What kind of grade would you give your performance? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there are there are mistakes that I made, but I'm happy with the way the performance went. I couldn't be more happy with it because um, just like I told several people, you know, I feel like I needed to show that side of me. Um, the fact that I got dropped and the fact that, you know, I took a couple of hits, obviously, that's not what we want to do. Um, but, I, but I'm happy with the performance. All right. So talk to me. I about, showed, I showed a lot of you certainly did, which I want to get to, but let's talk about the strategy ahead of time. What was it? Um, the strategy was definitely to use our movement, use our range and, uh, you know, just, just out move her and, and, um, obviously, uh, not, not get hit with the strikes that we got hit with, uh, and to, and to wait on her for the, the counters, but also, um, just go out there and be myself. Now the counters were working a lot better in the second round, which we'll talk about. Why was she having some success in the first? When you diagnose the fight, what do you attribute to her landing a little bit? And of course, dropping you once. 
Well, one, she's, she's a great fighter. Um, she's solid. Uh, and then two is, is I didn't feel like myself quite until the, to the second round. And I don't know if that was more so that I was giving her more respect, um, or a lot more of the respect than I have in the, in the past for other opponents. But, uh, I definitely was a little more cautious. So I knew that she could hit, you know, and, um, I just didn't fight, quite find my rhythm yet. And, uh, she was having more success than I was for sure. Um, and I also was like, I was in Southpaw, which all through camp, I felt fantastic, felt great in the Southpaw stance. And I didn't feel very good in the Orthodox stance. And then when we switched rounds, I ended up going to the Orthodox stance and I felt way better, even though through the entire camp, I didn't see myself fighting this fight in an Orthodox stance. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so, so you got, when you got knocked down, what went through your head? Um, I didn't feel like it was over, you know, and I've never had that happen to me. Really. I've had a few girls catch me where I was like off balance and that's because I do, I throw a lot of naked kicks and, and that's something that we have to continue to, to fix. And that's a bad habit that I have had in the past fights. And, and these girls are getting my number on that. So, um, I definitely had to fix that. Uh, but, but some people were like, oh, well, she just, you know, caught you off balance or whatever. But I don't remember necessarily like that with the emotion that I had other than it's not over. Like I didn't feel like it's over and I'm not going to quit. Um, I just felt like I had to get back up and I was surprised, you know, if I was in her position, I probably would have put a little more pressure on it and not let me get back up quite like she did. But, um, I'm glad she let me get back up or I, I continued to try to fight to get back up as long as I didn't take those, take any shots on the way up. What did, uh, what did your coach Mark Montoya say to you between rounds? Those guys are just so un telling me, put your, throw your hands before your kicks. You know, he wanted, Mark wanted me to, to, to lead with the hands, not with the feet. Um, and that was, that was what they were all telling me. You know, he's like, you know, you gotta set up your hands to your kicks and blend those to your kicks. And then he also wanted me to set up the takedown. Um, and you know, I was a little confused at first. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I'll get that. And, um, but I, I more so heard them during the fight in like a subconscious, you know, when they said to switch to Southpaw, because once I switched from Southpaw to Orthodox, they're like, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And then they told me to pressure. And, and, and I don't know if I necessarily like heard them and was like, okay, that's what I need to do. But it was kind of like a subconscious, like I felt them say that. And, and that's what we did. So the second round comes out, went a lot better for you. Here's what I noticed. Number one, the resiliency in the first round, which is an important test for a young fighter. Second round, the accuracy was good, but here's what I noticed between you and her. Looked to me like there was a pretty clear power differential in your favor. You seem to just hit a lot harder. I definitely hit a lot harder. <laughs> um, she's accurate with her strikes, but she's not the hardest hitter I've ever been hit by. Um, Hannah Cyphers by far is, is the hardest girl I've ever been hit by, but I hit way harder than all of those girls, all of them, hands down. I know my power. I know the power I possess, uh, and, and I definitely have it. Yeah. Well, so once you, once you stung her, man, the fight just collapsed so quickly. Let them go. <laughs> right, right. And you were, and you were winning the sh you were doing that bit where the shot was coming and you could see the whole torso follow along. Like you were torquing into that thing. How, how, how when, when you landed that one shot where she kind of stumbled and covered, did you know it was over at that point? Well, as soon as I landed that first one, 
that first cross and, and she kind of like started to back up. And then right before she clinched up with me, I knew that. I knew that was the one. And I knew that, that her initial, her reaction was going to be to try to tie up with me. And that's also another tell that they're hurt. You know, when someone tries to tie up with, with, uh, with their opponent, you know they're hurt because that's, that's like the safety. I need to get to safety so I can let my brain recover. But, yeah, as soon as I hit her with that one, I'm like, oh, it's over. But as soon as I connected that one, that's a, that's a good feeling because you can just feel it, you know. And, uh yeah, it was it was over from there. So did you hit her in the eye? I went back and I watched the fight today and prep for this interview. It looked like there was one shot along the fence line when that's when she covered up and then stopped reacting. Do you know what punch? What, what, what was that? I know there was two that landed really solid. There was the, it was my right hand. I doubled it up. So I hit with like a, almost like a hook and I threw a straight right after that. And both of those landed first and then she covered her face and then that knee came up. Right. Uh, and I don't know if I landed that knee. I didn't feel like I landed it. I didn't even know I threw it. Everyone's like, you threw that knee. It was brutal. And I'm like, ah, I watched it back a couple of times. I didn't see it, that it landed that hard. Um, but those two hands, that, that right hand that I doubled up definitely hit. And then, and then those hooks, the, just the repetitive ones at the end continued, you know, that's what, what stopped it. Cause as soon as like the rest starts to come in, I feel like it's less about the power, power shots and the more just about like keep ripping them as fast as you can and as hard as you can because you don't, you don't want to take too much time in between because it, it, it looks a little bit, it looks a little bit less, I guess, damaging. Yeah, well, Keith Peterson, she wasn't reacting. So, I mean, Keith Peterson had little choice at that yes. point. You know yes. what I mean? So, so if I had to ask sure. you what test you passed with this fight, what would you say? Definitely, the pa I passed the test of you know, if you, if I can come back from one losing a round, because that's, I think that's the first round I've ever lost in a fight it was the first round of that fight. And, uh, I, I knew I lost it, but it wasn't like, crap, I lost that fight. Like I lost that round. I didn't let that emotion get to me. I try to keep a level head. So knowing that I lost the round and I didn't let that get under my skin at even the slightest bit, like it didn't change it anything in me, you know, I was still going for the finish. I'm still going to go and fight and fight. Like I'm, I'm winning the entire fight. Um, so I feel like I passed that test of, can you come back from a round that you've already lost and not let it get under your skin? And then I also feel like I passed the test of, can she take a hit and get dropped? Not that we want to see that, but can she take a hit, get dropped and come back from that? You know, because a lot of girls, uh, obviously that's not, that wasn't like a terrible, like she got dropped and it was bad, but, uh, you know, it was good to see that I got hit a few times in the head. Uh, and I, and I kept coming and I didn't shy away from punches after that. You know, I didn't feel like I was flinching a lot. Um, but I definitely, it looked like I was flinching cause I, I remember hearing her corner say, Oh, she's biting on it. She's biting on it. She's biting on it. And I knew that, that they were saying that because I wasn't necessarily biting on it. I was just more so you know, she, she, she would faint and then I would faint and then she would faint and then I would faint. And then, and I was more so trying to get her to throw that hand so that I could counter off of it. But it was a little bit of a back and forth, but definitely the, the resilience, like you said, and, and, uh, the keeping the level head in the fight. You know, you were, you made a point to distinguish yourself from Ronda Rousey, which I thought was kind of interesting. You seem to have a real sense about who to model yourself after. So for example, you have said you wanted to beat John Jones's record to become the youngest champion and that you are not, you know, uh, the next Ronda Rousey. So who is the appropriate model for you? Is it John Jones? Yes, you're trying to beat him, but is that 
from a professional standpoint, forget some of the issues he's had, but just the in-cage stuff, the accomplishments, is that who you're modeling yourself after? Like, when you look to somebody for a kind of path, who is it? Honestly, I, I don't know if I have a specific one. I couldn't give you an answer because there's so many athletes that their styles are amazing. You know, Demetrius Johnson has a great style. Uh, the I'll fight anyone, anytime, anywhere from Cowboy. Um, John Jones and his ability to maximize his range and his, his fight style and the youngest fighter, uh, Rhonda's confidence in herself. Like there's so many bits and pieces that I study a lot of people and, and, and I don't just study their fighting style. I study their, their mindset and, and all of that. And, and there are good things and there are bad things. And I try to take away from all of them. So if I'm trying to model myself after any of them, it's a, it's a, it's almost like I'm trying to take a piece from everyone in the sport. What's um, one? I try to take something good. What is one thing that fighters at your stage of their career get wrong that you know you should not do? The, the am I stage in their career? Yeah, so you're seven they, and they get a little. I feel like they get a little too excited uh, about the success and about the um, probably just just get caught up in the success and the oh look at me I'm finally making money and I'm. Uh, and, and I'm right on the edge of that. You know, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that, you know, as soon as I start making, making, uh, and having more success that I'm just going to, you know, try to take it and be like, all right, let's go, let's go buy a new car. Let's go buy this. Um, and I don't know if that's what every, every athlete does, but I know that that's what some, some young, young people do, especially, um, guys. And, and they kind of get, you know, caught up in that of like, oh, I need to do this and this and this for the fame or for this. But honestly, you know, I know that the fame is going to come and the, and the success is going to come from there. But the main thing is, you know, taking, taking what I make and taking all my success and, and returning it, it's putting it back into the bank of, okay, I need to go and, and elevate this. I need to change this in this training camp. I need to in, in make, make my camp a little bit smoother, you know, because as, as good as my camp was, it can be way better than it, than it, than it was. So I feel like, I'm almost the extreme opposite of, you know, I don't want to take a time off. I don't want to take a week off. I don't want to go on vacation. I just want to go and I want to make, I already wrote down notes of, you know, we need to fix this in the camp, this in the camp. We need to talk about this. Um, and just, just ways to elevate. So I feel like everyone's like, Oh, I need a break. You know, they're like, I just spent the entire camp and now I just want to chill and go on vacation. And I feel like that's, the, that's the thing I'm a little bit different on. So it's kind of funny because I spoke to Israel Adesanya, right, in, in uh, one year's time. So from like February 11 to the next February 11, the dude had, what, five fights and he won them all with this crazy level of activity. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, I feel like the more active you are, the more, the more, the, the faster the success is going to come. And uh, it also helps you mentally to stay there. You know, when you're, when you're consistently in the gym, when you're consistently, it's hard to fall off track you know, when you're around the people that, that know where you're going. Um, if you have a goal and you set it and, and you're a motivated person, you can't let yourself get, get sidetracked and, and, and lose focus of what you're trying to go after. Um, and it's a time, it's a time critical sport. You know, we can't just, we can't just take these fights and, and, and go slow and, and go slow through our career because injuries are real. And, you know, if you take a fight and you, you fight once and, and then you get injured, well, you can't fight those five fights. So if, as long as you're healthy, I feel like the more you stay consistent in fighting, you're, you're just maximizing your time in the ring because at some point you never know if an injury is going to come up or something's going to come up where you can't fight. So as long as you're healthy, you should just do it. 
Do you, um, how much does each fight, you've only had two in the UFC now. Uh, well, we had the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, but two like official <laughs> UFC cards. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, so here's the deal. Like, are you feeling the increasing weight of things yet? Or are they still relatively, these are still relatively modest growth periods? No, I, I, I don't think I feel like the weight, and if you're meaning like pressure, like in terms of that, um, I definitely took a, a lot more serious. So I took the first, the fight, the, my first fight in the UFC super serious. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like as each one comes, I will get more and more in tune to what I need to do and, and a little more focused on, okay, I'll put a little, I'll put a little bit more, like I'm, I'm a little less energetic in, in, in some areas or I'll, I'll, t- I'll need to breathe a little bit more, but it's mainly because I'm just trying to keep a level head for the fight. You know, I just know, okay, I can't get my nerves up here. I need to get it up here. I can't get my, my excitement up here. I need to get it up here. I need to save this for this time um, and place in the camp and, and just, just figuring out the timing of when to let it happen. So that's, I think that's the only thing that I've, I've learned that I need to continue to change as this, this career goes on. So uh, one year from now, what are we talking about for your career? What will have happened? Imagine this is the next Monday, one year from today, right? What's the headline on MMAfighting.com? Well, one year from today, I will be almost 22. Uh, and I will, be in the, I will definitely be in the area for that title fight um, sometime within that year, for sure. Uh, so, so that's something that'll be probably popping up event at some point. Um, if not, maybe sooner, maybe not. I don't, I'm not trying to rush a title shot at all. Uh, I'd like to continue to k- keep this success, but I still have the two, th- almost three years and yeah. Are you looking to fight on a international fight week? Like target me your next position on the ca- calendar. I am. I would like to fight International Fight Week in in July. Now, when that would be, I don't know what part of the week or or um, or the opponent. I don't know yet. Uh, I just got out here to Vegas, actually. So I got here last night, and um, I'm gonna spend the week out here, talk with everyone, do some medical stuff, and and figure it out from there. With the UFC, the PI, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm headed there in like ten minutes. Well, look at that. Not, not, no rest for the weary. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. That was a real important win. Showed a lot of grit. Showed a lot of ability. And you're on your way. Congratulations. I can't wait to see what you guys have uh, in store next. Say again? Thank you so much. I said I appreciate your time. You guys do, yeah. you do a great job. Well, there you go. Thank you, Macy. Have fun. Thank you. All right. There she goes. Uh, would we have uh, Kevin Lee on Skype? What do we have him? I think we have him on Skype, right? All right, let's go back. We have everyone on Skype today. I can't believe this. This is a, to what do I owe the honor? Let's go. This is one of my favorite interviews in the sport, uh, independent of weight class. This guy is jumping up, speaking of weight class, to welterweight. He's going to fight Rafael Dos Anjos. Let's go to him now. The Motown, Fien- F- Motown Phenom is here. Kevin Lee. Hey, Kevin, how are you? What's going on, Luke? Long- how you doing, my man? Good, man. Long time no speak. How have you been since the Iaquinta fight? Uh, you know, smooth. Uh, everything's starting to fall back into place. Uh, it's like the perfect time for me to get ready to go back into a training camp. You know, uh, everything else in my life outside of it is it, it, starting to finally come around. So I'm excited about this one. 
it was one that I've been I've been kind of like hesitant about moving up to 170, but now seeing like especially how the rest of the division is looking, I'm I'm fucking excited. All right, so what was the impetus? What finally made you say, you know what, man, f this lightweight nonsense. I'm going to go to welterweight. Was it the opponent, the timing, as you mentioned, some of the other people? What? Really, give me the uh, explanation. Really, honestly, it was the timing. Uh, I just wanted to fight. It didn't matter who it was, when when it was, where, what weight class, any of that. Uh, I needed to fight. Um, and everybody kept playing games at 155. I kept offering myself to guys that were way lower in the rankings to me, uh, guys that were completely unranked. You know, they approached with the fight and, and you know, nobody would uh, nobody would accept. So uh, we ended up finding RDA out there. He, he, he has already fought the who's who of, of anybody. So, you know, he, he accepted without a, 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 any hesitation. So I'm like, OK, cool. Um, anyway, I come in at about 178, 179 uh, uh, on fight weeks, even when I'm cutting down to 155. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see how this this uh, this weight cut is going to go and how much different I'm going to feel stepping into the cage with like a little bit more full energy and full strength. Uh, let's rewind if we can. Before we talk about the step ahead, I want to talk about the step behind. There were a lot of things that went well for you in the Iaquinta fight. Obviously, it didn't go your way in the end. Looking back on it, how do you feel about it? You know, I, I take it as a learning experience. That's all I really can do. Uh, I think I still approach that fight pretty wrong. Uh, I think there were some things that that needed fixing in my corner, especially. Uh, I think if the corner work and in in the way I approached, especially those those last two rounds, uh, would have been different than than that fight would have been uh, uh, completely different. But I take it as a learning experience. That's that's really all it is, uh, especially when uh, against a guy like Al. You know, he's tough. He's he, he he's gonna keep pushing. Uh, you know, I, I the problem is I didn't see him as much of a threat. Uh, as big of a threat as I should have. And, you know, that that that's just one thing that um, you you learn through experience in this game and, and, and by continuing to fight and continuing to get these these types of opponents. So, you know, it, overall, I'm not really, like, happy with it, obviously. I mean, it, it's, it is what it is. I ain't really even watched the fight since since it. Um, mm. I'll probably watch it in a little bit just to get a, a better understanding of everything. But, you know, it is what it is, right? So you're switching up your corner? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm removing a guy that I, that I had in, in before, uh, but mostly we switching up the way that we're going to approach it in, in, in our, uh, in, in our communication and just, you know, cause, cause this is fighting It's very personal. It's not like a, it, it's, it's not like any other sport to me. So, you know, when, when I need to be told certain shit in, in the corner, especially when the time are real tough, then, you know, my corner needs to know, like, go ahead and just tell me. And, and, and I'm not one to really, like, spare feelings anyway. And I feel like they were trying to, like, you know, kind of plan me a little bit. So, you know, sometimes I just need to be told straight, like, hey, look, get your shit together. Like, let's pull this out, you know, and you, you can bitch and whine about it later. Um, and I felt like, you know, it, maybe they didn't do that and, and, and need to uh, make the adjustments. And it's me, too, that they need to make the adjustments for myself and be able to see those things. How hard is it to get into that kind of a trust and understanding with a corner where they know what you what works well for you and what doesn't? I mean, it, it takes years. And, it, and it's, uh, you know, because you have so many guys in the corner, too, it's, it's about how each of their energy feeds off of each other. Um, so it takes a long time to get that bond and that, and that, uh, that relationship going and that many fights. And you, you know, sometimes you just got to go through those little, those little, uh, uh, hiccups here and there, but you learn from it you get better as, as a, you know, even though this is, this is totally individual, it's still kind of a team, uh, uh, sport and it's still kind of, you know, we all kind of learn at the same time. So it takes years and, and, and that's just, 
that's just what it is. That's just the game. You know, I'm still real young in the sport. Uh, I'm still learning a lot about it. Uh, I feel like going up to 170 is going to be huge in me and, 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 and keeping that same energy in those last couple rounds and then keeping my, my mind completely clear. So we'll, we'll see how this whole thing shake out. 170 is in a bit of a shakeup scenario, right? Because you just had, you just saw what Jorge Masvidal did. You just saw what Pettis did. The champ just lost. The whole yeah. thing is being shaken up. Is that part of the reason why you're, it's like double Dutch. You ever seen the girls do double Dutch and they got the ropes going and you got to find yeah, your time yeah. and you just got to get in there at the right moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, I even was kind of looking at it. You know, I, I approached this fight before any of that even happened. Um, and, you know, 170, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm going to go up and, and just kind of do my thing because I wanted to fight e anyway. And then I was going to kind of see how it was going to go. The thing that always kind of made me hesitant about moving to 170 is 155 had the bigger fights. You know, Khabib was out there. Uh, and, and that was kind of the fight that I really w was pushing for. But, when Usman beat uh, Woodley, that kind of shook everything up. So, you know, I'm only focused on one man at a time. You know, RDA is really somebody that I can't uh, uh, look through. Is He's somebody that that is definitely going to get my full attention. But uh, after this fight, it, it, it's giving me a little bit of excitement. It's giving me a little bit of like, you know, pepping my step in the morning. I'm like, OK, well, you know, we, we got some fresh blood in here. So I, I'm here to shake things. Sh I, I'm here to shake shit up even a little bit more. Uh Okay, so there's a few questions here about welterweight. First of all, what is your walking around weight? Like today, what are you? Uh, I'm about 181. So, you know, normally this is, uh, you know, I, I used to get much heavier, but uh, I've been about 180, 181 for the past, like, year, year and a half down there. All right, so you'll be, you know, fair to say, you'll be on the smaller end of welterweight. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when I look at other guys, may, maybe, but, you know, Pettis just showed too last uh, this last Saturday. You know, sometimes that size really don't matter. You know, especially if you when you talk about speed and durability, uh, that size necessarily. I mean, I, I feel like I can out technique a lot of these guys. You know, when I when I see even a lot of their wrestling uh, at one seventy, it's like it, a lot of it's very basic. Um, so I feel like technique, speed, and uh, durability will outlast the strength. I mean, I'll, I'll let you know after after May eighteenth exactly how it all go down I, i'm kind of figuring the shit out with you here's what's weird about this whole thing as i did you watch the uh garcia spence boxing match yeah of course of course yeah, yeah i mean he, so, he killed him. so i'm watching that you got mikey garcia who is a hell of a boxer and an amazing technician and okay spence might just be one of the best boxers we have right now but there was such a clear difference in power. Now, you do see fighters like Pacquiao who collect a bunch of weight belts or Mayweather, but those are like all-time greats. It seems to me in MMA, man, you can jump up 15 pounds and make a splash pretty quickly. Why is that? You know, I think it's just because there's so much other things in it. You know, it's 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 more of a complete art, uh, whereas boxing is, 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 you know, it's a science. So there was no way that... Uh, you know, there's only so many places that you can go in boxing. You know, Mikey Garcia tried to fight him on the outside, was getting killed uh, just because Spence was so much longer. And, he, and, you know, he's throwing such straight punches and knew how to m move in and out so well. Uh, but then he was killing him on the inside, too. And, and really and in boxing, you know, you really only got three, four areas that you can fight a guy in. And, and Spence just outclassed him in every one of those areas. Whereas opposed to MMA, I mean, you can fight a guy in 12, 13 different areas, maybe. Uh, so I, I think that might be the difference and smaller guys, uh, 
I think have more, you know, we, we spend more time on the technique and because, because you kind of have to, you gotta, you're going against heavier guys. You're going against guys where you got to use the leverage and you got to use the technique behind it. Uh, whereas maybe bigger guys, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, in that fight in particular, I mean, Garcia just didn't stand a chance. He, he just, he was getting outclassed right. from, from start to finish. Um, but in MMA, that would have been a different show. It would have been, you know, Garcia could have had a couple more weapons to use to where some of the middle rounds, okay, this ain't working. We can go to something else. So, mm. uh, uh, you know, I think that's, that, that's where the biggest difference. I think that's why MMA is a little bit more exciting too. Hmm. That's actually a pretty good explanation. Um, all right. So let me ask you some other things. You know, I, I have been watching your career for a long time at this point, and I can't quite tell what posture mentally you have to adopt for success. Cause sometimes <laughs> I see you come out super aggro F this F that, and you go and just dominate a guy. Right. But then other times I see yeah. you adopt that posture and it doesn't go so great. And then sometimes I see you take a humility and then you go and dominate. Have you figured out yeah. where you need to be in a competitive mind space to be your best? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I be, I see the same thing that you're saying. So, uh, I don't know, you know, I kind of just, I kind of just go with the wind and I kind of, uh, you know, I listen to the universe and I just, I just go wherever it tell me to go. And I feel like, you know, e even when I lose, I still win. So I really don't, you know, it don't be no skin off my teeth, really. Uh, I just, I, I think that's just kind of what life is. It's, it's you know, I, I change from fight to fight. Each fight is completely different. Um, um, but then I feel like I change day to day too. And in, 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 in my approach to certain things, uh, and I just kind of go with it. I, I don't, I'm not one. I'm not one necessarily to to kind of hide that fact and that kind of uh, uh, hide from what I see as the truth. So I just go out and, you know, and I don't know if I feel like talking some shit today, then I'm going to talk some shit. If I don't, then I'm not. Uh, and I don't really like, you know, I, I think people have a different idea that I, that I like plan these things or, or, or I'm thinking about it or, or I'm sitting through and like, no, nah, I'm just kind of go with how I feel. And I'm going to take whatever energy that, that, uh, that other people give me. So I'm going to take whatever energy the RDA is going to give me. Uh, we going on the on sale. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving here from Michigan over to New York, uh, on Thursday for the on sale. So I'm going to see RDA there. I'm going to see what type of energy he give me. If he give me some, you know, if he give me something to play with, then we can play. If you want to be cool and be, you know, we, we can we can play that role, too. We can play the humble, cool role, too. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Let's talk about RDA as and a competitor. And then we'll see how that, that folds over into the fight. Sure. Let's talk about him as a competitor here for a second. He's a guy who, man, he is, you know, he's had some ups, had some downs, but he has fought the toughest of the tough. Uh, and can kind of do it all. But you saw in the Usman fight. Now, Usman is a, a monster welterweight. Okay. But there have been some wrestling shortcomings. I'm wondering if if you have identified those as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a couple things. Uh, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of film on him. He's got a lot of film out there. He's got a lot of fights, uh, especially in the UFC. Uh, so, so I, you know, breaking down the film with him has been fun. Uh, there, there's a couple things in there that that I see as being uh, some 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 places that I can take advantage. But I'm definitely not. I mean. RDA can't be somebody that you underestimate. You know, he's fought way bigger guys. He's fought uh, smaller guys. He's fought a lot of southpaws, a lot of orthodox guys. He's fought a lot of people uh, and is never out of a fight. You know, nobody's ever, uh, uh, even in the fight with Usman, you know, RDA had a couple moments in there to where he he's not going to get completely dominated. So uh, a fight like this really kind of get me up. I think th these are the type of fights that, that I love that, you know, are the biggest challenges. 
you know, you, you speak on the, the Iaquinta fight and then just to go back and I'm like, I didn't see him as that, that big of a, a, of a threat to me, but RDA is, you know, RDA is somebody, if you give him the moment, it don't matter if he's lost three, four in a row, he, he'll come out and he'll put your lights out. Uh, so, you know, I got to make sure I'm on my P's and Q's the entire time. And, 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 and that kind of excites me a little bit. So, uh, him competitor wise, RDA is definitely up there with the top. I mean, he's ranked in the top five of, of two different weight classes for a reason. Hmm. Have you given up hope on 165 happening anytime soon? Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to let them, you know, <laughs> Askren is out there doing my, my, my dirty work for me now. So. I'm gonna let Asker and see if he can get in Dana's head a little bit and uh and, and keep making some noise about it. But you know, I ain't gonna keep beating no dead horse. And uh, just know when it, when it comes, it's it's not even a matter of if; it's a matter of when when it comes. Just know I'm in there and uh and, and I'm always gonna be the top dog. So let's, let's, uh, I'm, I'm gonna let some some of these other guys kind of do the do the chirping. Yeah, there's a lot of chirping out there. So the good news is you can tag team; they can they can take over for the moment. Um, let's talk about lightweight for a second, man. It's, you know, you're going to want welterweight as you mentioned, Askren, here's another new addition to the whole, uh, situation that's changing things up, but lightweight, man, the top of it's a bit of a mess. We don't really know what's going to happen with Habib. You got Poirier and Max, which is a great fight, but we don't know what's going to happen with Max at featherweight. And then you got Tony who obviously is having some legitimate, uh, real life, uh, struggles. I don't want to, um, uh, you know, I want to be respectful of those. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, like, what do you make of the division right now? It's the marquee division, but you can't really showcase really a lot of parts of it. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of it kind of went stagnant, uh, and, which is a real shame. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's always been one of the best divisions uh, in the UFC. Um, there, there's just so many ups and so many questions. And, you know, and, and part of me was like, you know, this is where I, this is where I said I wanted to be. And this is where I started and where I'm going to finish, uh, especially with fighting uh, uh, Khabib. But when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, what am I, I'm not going to sit around and wait for these other guys to fight and, and, and try and, you know, it's too many politics going on. And, and like you said, Max is now fighting Dustin, uh, you know, Tony sitting out, which I, I'm, I'm sad about that whole situation. Uh, and, you know, all, all these other things that nobody wants to fight. And guys only want like these certain fights just to push them up. And Connor's kind of calling a shot still. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck all this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mostly worried about me anyway. To me, I, I, I'm the top dog. So. Uh, it is what's best for 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 my career and, and going forward. You know, th those fights are still going to be out there. Um, I still am am a hundred percent confident I can make one fifty five again. Uh, but you know, we'll see after after. I I, I preferred this fight at one seventy. Um, one fifty five is you know they need to get their shit together. That's all. I I think I think it'll come together towards the end of this year. Mm. Um, but you know, I wasn't about to sit around and wait for them. Would you be willing to go back and forth? I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what this whole how to how it shake up. You know, you got like you say, you got a uh, uh, Pettis look great, um, Masvidal look great. Um, you still got Askren out there. You got Ponzinibbio. You got uh, Leon Edwards. It, and like I said, Usman's not a champ. So you know, Mama Woodley warned him. So <laughs> I'm here. I'm coming for him. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's nothing been. It's been nothing but respect between me and Usman. And I kind of want to still, you know. I, I want to honor that, but as a as a competitor, I gotta. I'm probably gonna be on his heels. We'll see. We'll see yeah. after this fight. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, how long have you known Kamara, by the way? Uh, it's been a couple of years. You know, there, okay. there are certain guys that that like right out the gate, you kind of you kind of make notice of. 
and, and we kind of both, you know, kind of did the double take at each other at, at the same time. Um, I, I want to say I met him. Uh, I, I, I was at his fight with RDA. Um, but I met him maybe like two years before that, you know, he, he's been in and out of training and, and, you know, I kind of see him through the gyms and there, there's just certain guys that, that you, you just kind of know as a competitor, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, we, we cool, but you know, okay. <laughs> I see you, you see me, you know, you, you got that look like I see you, you see me. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, all right, so let's ask about you here one more time. So you got this fight with RDA coming up in May, jumping up a new weight class, coming off of that loss, making some changes in the corner. So are you in a rebound period? Are you in a growth period? Are you in a no-label period? When you think about what this is, what, what this next fight is about and what it says about you, what what, what is it? it? It's growth. Uh, it, it, if I had to put, you know, th- those words on it, um, I would be more 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 likely to say no label just because you know it's 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 so hard to 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 uh to to get a grip on it but you know for me it's growth and it's going to be showing you know regardless of what happens regardless of of, of how life going to hit me uh I'm going to keep coming back and I'm going to get stronger so that that's all that that I think that people are really excited to see me fight either way. You know, as soon as this fight was announced, uh, I've, I've got more buzz about this one than any other fight, including the title fight uh, before. So I, I think, you know, it's about me coming back and just showing, you know, that that I'm still out here, that I'm still, you know, still just as strong, even stronger than before. And uh, and, and, and especially with the right mental space, uh, there, there's not going to be a man that can stop me. So, you know, I, I kind of want to do it for, for, for everybody else too. You know, I, I did something a little bit on, on, on Instagram. Uh, I don't, I don't really talk too much on there, but you know, sometimes I, I kind of want to sh- shed some light on some real issues and some real things, you know, Instagram be so much about, you know, putting out there what people, what you want people to see and, and to make yourself look good and all that. Uh, you know, but I've been dealing some, with some stuff personally with my brother, uh, my youngest brother being in jail. Uh, I've got two, two brothers. I'm out here in Michigan right now. The, the, uh, my middle brother, he's getting ready to fight, uh, which I'm, I'm super proud of him. Uh, he's getting ready to fight on Wednesday, which, which is uh, going to put some new life into me. But my youngest is kind of going through those little trials and tribulations. So, you know, I'm going to make sure that that I put on for him, do this fight right, uh, and, and make sure that everybody see, you know, it's still a, a, a really bright future out there no matter what happens. So just real quickly, did you relocate to Michigan or are you there just to deal with this particular episode? Uh, no, I'm, I'm there just to deal with it. You know, just to deal with this. Uh, I'm only out here for three days, and then, then I'm I'm straight back to uh, uh, to Vegas. I just got here yesterday. Uh, I leave on Thursday, and then uh, back to Vegas. Well, you know what? You have made something of yourself, and I know it's just the beginning. There's a lot more ahead, including this Dos Anjos fight. Last question for you: uh, fighting on um, streaming service. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's new. I, you know, I, I think it's something that that was coming. Uh, it's something that they should uh, they should go all the way in on. You know, they they're already offering like the pay per views. You can only buy them through through ESPN Plus. Uh, I think you look at like that zone. You know, they they do it without having to to buy the pay per views. So they should just go all in on it. I think it'll be a better uh, uh, it, it'd be better for everybody. It'd be better for us fighters too because you know pay per view is starting to kind of die off. You know, you really only getting those those really, really big pay-per-views. Uh, and I feel like, you know, they use those numbers to kind of hold against a guy uh, when it comes time to negotiate. And you're not really seeing 
our true uh, uh, negotiation power as fighters. You know, sometimes I, I feel like they 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 hold that against certain champions who only uh, uh you know you only sell X amount of pay per views. But it's like you know that's a dying that's a dying medium. So. Uh, we, we can use something like these streaming services and, and, and kind of, you know, I think that could be a little better for everybody if, if they get it right. They just got to get it right. So, I mean, I don't know. That's, 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 that ain't my job. I leave that to, to, to them to do. Uh, the UFC is great. They do what they do. Uh, they've been the top for, the, for a very long time for a reason. So, you know, I, I kind of go with the flow. All right. Well, I can't wait to see your next fight. This will be May 18th at the Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, New York. Newly minted welterweight, Kevin Lee. Looking forward to seeing him, Mr. Motown Phenom. Long and strong. You better, you, you can't wait, boy. <laughs> there he goes. It. Thank you so much, you, Kevin. Thank you, yeah, sir. There he goes. One of my favorite interviews. All right, let's go to this gentleman next. Did we have him on Skype as well? I can't believe we have everyone on Skype. It's like hitting green lights every time you're driving down the road. You can't believe it. Uh, all right, so this gentleman uh, had a great fight at UFC London, but there's a lot of different questions swirling about things that happened before, things that happened afterwards. So we thought we'd get him on to see if we can get some answers to him. Uh, we are joined now by Jack Marshman. Let's go to him here on Skype. There he is. Hi. Hey, Jack. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah. yeah How are you? you? Those are some, those are some uh, well-coiffed eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, trying to look after him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. So let's uh, let's talk here just a little bit. I, you may not know much about me, and that's okay if you don't. Uh, I also served in the American military. So part of the reason why yeah. I wanted to have you on was because I felt like I have always a little bit more of a connection to fighters who either have served or do serve, uh, just to set the context yeah. here. So you won at UFC London. You had a great win. You beat John Phillips. It was a close fight in the end, but you certainly won. And then this news broke that you had not told your command that you were leaving to go do it, and uh, and but you still won. So talk to me. What happened after the fight? Yeah, it was it was it's it sort of like that, but a little bit different. The um, my officer in command knew knew that I was fighting, uh, and he, he had basically okayed it. But it came from above him that I wasn't allowed to fight and they tried to they basically the day I was going to fight week on the Tuesday I had a text message off my RCMO telling me that I wasn't going to be fighting so I was like <clears throat> so yeah sorry about that uh, someone trying to ring me um, yeah right. so the RCMO took, I wasn't fighting and uh, I, I just sort of went with it anyway alright can you put your camera down just a little bit as good as those eyebrows. There yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. So, but but when you got back to, are you are you stationed active duty somewhere? Like, what happened? Yeah. Well, I'm 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 in uh, I'm in Colchester right now on on my camp. So, they, uh, I I got I actually got a disciplinary over fighting on the weekend. So, which is ridiculous, I think. So, like, uh, did they take your pay? Did they do anything like that? Uh. I got I got an ag guy, which is like a like a formal warning, and if you get that another one M in you, you can be discharged from the army. Whoa, whoa! And that goes I'm, on your. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving anyway. I've I've um I've I've given my years notice because on uh, the fourth of November that'll be my twelve year point. So uh, that's me signing off now. So you decided to leave uh, the military? Are you uh, deciding to get out of the military for what reason? I want to continue fighting. I've been I've been doing this for like twelve years. Uh, you know, I'm fighting at a really high level. You know, I've, I made it to the UFC. I've, I've 
I've just been offered a new contract and is I go really far, but at the minute I'm I'm my, my job is a soldier. I'm a professional soldier. This I'm I'm not I'm not training the same ways as everyone else. You know. So uh, okay, so you've been doing you got a record of twenty three and eight. So like, how much do you think? Like, I was in the military too, as I mentioned. There were a lot of great things about it. There were a lot of things I hated about it. If I can just be candid, um, and it, only service members really understand that. So. I'm sure it's been good for you if you've been there for 12 years, but you're saying it's really impacted your training. Yeah, of course. That's that's what I'm saying. It's um exactly how you explained it. Then it's some really great parts of the army that you know I, I'll, I'll get to train with the boxing team quite a lot, and I'll be working away and stuff like that. But then it's other things where I'll go on a six weeks exercise or something, and you know I, I won't train for six weeks solid, you know, because I'm, I'm doing other things. It's it's um. And then obviously the facts of like active tours and stuff, there's like six, seven months at a time, you know, and you're not getting any training out there, you know? So it, it's definitely impacted my training. So in the, in the, in the UK, you can give a notice of a year and then you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. So you do a minimum of three years. And then after you've done, after you've done three years at any point, then you can sign off, which gives you like a year until you leave. But I, I wanted to wait for my 12-year point to get my half pension. Man, they don't do that in the American military. <laughs> you sign up for four, uh, bucko, you are in for four. They don't let you get out after a year. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now, what do you do in the military? I, I'm a paratrooper, so uh, infantry. Oh, you're a grunt. <laughs> yeah. What so you, ju you jump out <laughs> of the planes, eh? Yeah, the, my um, my first my first nine times I ever stepped on a plane, I jumped out, and then, and then the tenth time I got on a plane, I flew to Afghan. So it's some pretty pretty shit plane journeys. Yeah, you have not had enjoyable plane rides. Now, uh, how how many times have you been deployed? Uh, I've done two tours of Afghanistan. How was that? Yeah, pretty. It's, it's with what it's what we joined for, really. You know, I I, I that's especially your first tour when you're young you know you look forward to it and when you've obviously got a message and stuff on my second tour it's a bit it's a bit harder then but but yeah it's what, it's what I joined the army to do so I love it really now were you into MMA before you got into the military or what did it happen while you were in no I uh, I'd, I'd had a couple of amateur fights just before I joined the army and then I just pursued it I, I boxed for the army for a long time so obviously I was mainly working on my hands then and getting better there. And then all of a sudden MMA started taking off and I started taking more fights and stuff. So it, I just, it just went from there. Now, when you fought at London, I guess, which I aired on BT sport and all that, when you came back, did all of the uh, other uh, service members you work with, were they giving you high five and back slaps? Yeah, yeah, they love they love it. They've they've been supporting me for years. As in, all the all the all the blokes that I work with, they they turn up to they turn up to all my fights all over the country, and they love it. They do it. I got a massive support from the from the army. You know, here's what's weird. You know, Tim Kennedy. I'm sure you knew who he was when he was fighting here. Yeah. Now he ha he had something called the World Class Athlete Program, but the American Army has a division where they can let you do what you do. And you can go and fight, and you just still represent the military. Does the UK not have anything like that? Yeah, they do. But as we're stuck in the past, MMA is not a recognized sport in the army. If I was just doing boxing, if I was boxing as a professional boxer, I'd 
I, I'd be on that professional athlete's contract. But MMA is not recognised because they haven't got the, the the like governing bodies and stuff over you the same. So it's, it's, it's really difficult. If if I if in five years time, I'd probably be on that. I'd, I'd be on that athlete's program for the rest of my time in the army. But we just been stuck in the past over yet, to be honest with you. Yeah. So so for example, if you were like a super high level boxer, you'd probably be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the British Army got a fishing team. You know, it's it's <laughs> like any, any 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 sport you can actually think of. They they've they've got a sport to it but they haven't got an MMA team which is ridiculous you know it's the fastest growing sport that is have you ever talked to like any of your central command about establishing something yeah yeah I've tried I've tried and there's been talks about it and they they come back with these like a crazy rule set of MMA which is like ridiculous it's like you know basically like some taekwondo show or something it's like you know it's they um like I said it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch of old guys that don't fully understand the new sport coming through. Like I said, they got a, they got a team for everything you can think of in the army, and they support them. We got like I, I'm in I'm in the third battalion parachute regiment. We've got we've got Olympic bobslayers and stuff like that in our in our battalions, and they're all fine. But you know, fighting in the UFC for them don't don't mean nothing. That's crazy. Um, by the way, what is the relationship? If we still, I don't know what's up with this connection. Uh, you still there, Jack? Did we lose him? He froze. <laughs> oh, the magic. Oh, I knew we were going to have one of these. I knew. I knew. It was inevitable. Uh, we're going to try to call him back one more time. I had a couple more questions for him. Dude, that is terrible. Think about that, man. The United States Army, they're the the, the, the people who established, Ar- obviously, Army combatives. Um, Brian Stan, you can ask him about it. I trained a little bit, too. The Marine Corps Martial Arts Program, it's not nearly as good as Army combatives. Army combatives is much more hierarchical, and there's a real curriculum to it. Marine Corps Martial Arts Program is just a bunch of grunts fist fighting in the backyard. But, um, well, it's a little more than that. But, you know, it's not as developed a program. But the point being is, if you were a high-level you know, UFC level fighter in either of those services, chances are you would probably get some kind of accommodation for it. Now, there's no guarantee. Tim Kennedy was special forces level, so he gets obviously a lot of extra consideration that the average grunt might not. But if you're a paratrooper, like, mm, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty high level. So, um, dagger, man, that is really unfortunate. So now he has to be in a position where he has to, like, jettison an MMA career or or fight. Uh all right, let's get him back one more time. I got a couple more questions for him. Jack, you there, bud? Yeah, yeah. There he is. Uh, sorry about that. Just a couple more questions for it. I appreciate your time. Um, did you see this? Did you see this note that Darren Till put out on social media about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I seen it on that during fight week. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was, it was just really respectful because I think. You know, all fighters understand what fighters go through, don't they? So it's just, I, I really appreciate them going out of his way to do it. It's nice, he didn't have to, did he? But I think he fully understands what we go through, so. Right on. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll end on this one. So you're in the Army, right? The British Army? Yeah. So how much better are the Royal Marines than the British Army? <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many British Marines in the UFC? I think yeah. Oh, there was one. There was one. There was one. Who? 
Uh, he 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 he's no longer in there, but he he did come through. He, the bald guy, I forget his name. Uh, Martin Martin Silver. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but he only got on the fight now. Yeah, maybe so. He only got on the fight. I'm just saying, he's only one part of me there. So. <laughs> well, well, look, uh, you're a credit to the uh, the military. You're a credit to MMA. I'm sorry for some of the troubles you've gone through. But, um, you know, you're, uh, you're doing great things one way or the other, and we really appreciate your time, Jack. Thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate it. There Thanks he is. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. I would say Semper Fi, but he's Army, so I'll just say, what do they say in the Army? Hula? They say other made-up words? Something like that? Uh, but that sucks, man. You'd be in a position like that where, you know, you got to make a choice between things you love. 12 years in the military and walking away. It's a long time, man. It's a long time. Not very fair, unfortunately. I think I'm just going to end the show here. So let's do this. Let me just say thank you to everyone who watched today. Um, listen to the podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Thank you guys so much for watching. Keep sending those tweets using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Keep calling 844-866-2468. And until next time, stay frosty.